Great Expectations is part of the Earth 2 network of podcasts. do want to talk about this stuff, but as I was, like, watching it, because I think I'm up to, like, one. I'm up to the first appearance of Alpha Flight, like, 120, 121, right around there right now. It's awesome that it's got the letters. Yeah, it's like, I love this team, I love everything about this team, but I also think that this team is so fucking perfect. Yeah. (laughs) That, like, how many times can you hear someone go, this is the best thing ever? Because like when that kid when, when when Adam texted us last night or twittered us last night was mm-hmm. like, "What do you recommend?" It's like, it's easy. Yeah, Claremont Cockrum, Claremont Burn. Yeah, I, for real. If you if you start at Claremont Cockrum, you know, or if you start a giant size one, a giant size one isn't even really that great. No, but if you start at ninety four, like you're gonna want to keep going. Yeah. Until, I don't know, the last time I started rereading, I think I petered out in, like, the 250s. Yeah. I was like, eh, I guess I've had about enough. But. That's awesome, because that's, like, right where I want to be. Yeah. That era is hard for me, because here, in the Burn and Cockrum era, they're, like, feeling each other out. They don't get along. They can't work together as a team yet. And then they hit that sweet spot where it's all starting to come together. And then, like, the trial of Magneto happens and Secret War 2, which was horrible, but it had its impact on on the X-Men. That happened, and Nimrod shows up, and it's just like everything gets fucked up for yeah. the X-Men. And so after that, and then the Mutant Massacre, after that, it's like a downhill slide where nothing's going right. And they're back on their heels. The team falls apart. All these new people show up. And, uh... I think it, that's what I like about it. It's just kind of sad, though. Yeah, but I think After a while, I feel like, oh, this is too sad. Yeah, I suppose. I got that way a little bit with, like, the Avengers books post-Civil War. Like, especially during Dark Reign, where it was just like... Yeah. You guys ever gonna have a good day? Yep. I guess maybe because of the time period that I started reading the X-Men. Like, when I look back at this stuff, and it is so, like, perfect team. Mm-hmm. Perfect, like... But they're not, though. No, 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 not at all. Not, but, I mean, not as a team, but perfect But when you, when you, you mean? Yes, but also, like, when you look back on it now with the teams that we've got, it's like, this is the all-star roster. Oh, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, right now, you're, you know... Yeah, if you're picking out, okay, who is the best... Like, yeah, it's like the 92 Olympic basketball team. Yeah, like, I'm I'm forever attached to the Jim Lee Claremont team because it was my first, like, the blue slash gold team. Yeah, but it's but like most this. of these guys are on it. I mean, you know, that's... Well, you know, it's the, the only, like, I don't want to say the only thing because I really enjoy this stuff, but, like, I like going back to this because, like, Excalibur, when I was growing up, was the throwaway book. 
you know, for you, for me. And I mean, it really was. I mean, I still picked it up and I still read it, but it was one of those things where, like, I didn't have the connection that I had mm-hmm. um, to Kitty and and uh, Nightcrawler and Colossus that I that I had with everyone and else. Rachel. But see, like, Rachel wasn't even on my because I had. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But she, like, she was the POV character for me when I entered. Yeah, you know, like like Kitty Pride was during the burn stuff. Rachel became that when I started reading. Oh wow, yeah. No, I've never really thought about it that way because it was because I always went for Kitty you straight Jubilee. to Jubilee. Yeah, I but Rachel completely... really in the middle there. Yeah, but it was only for twenty issues, and then she had the big fallout with Wolverine, who tried to kill her. <laughs> and that was all she wrote. That happened. Spiral got her hooks in her. Spiral, man. You know, I'm from, never gonna trust Spiral. It, when when she showed cool. up in Uncanny X Force, I was like, nah. If they even even attempt to suggest that she's on the good guy's side, I'm out. Yeah, for all my um, not enjoying the entire run of Uncanny X Force, mm-hmm. not. The new one, the Marvel Now one, right? Yeah. Like the Sam Humphreys one. Yes, the the four part or five part or whatever crossover that they just did to like close out that and Cable and the X Force was actually pretty good. Oh yeah, yeah, I actually really liked it. I feel bad because I dropped them both. It's okay. I'm glad that they finished strong. It finished. I was there was one thing I wanted out of it the second that they brought like, well, spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers, everybody. Just jump ahead a few seconds. They, like, kind of fixed Bishop. Well, I'm glad. And I just, like, I appreciated that just because I like the character and he was one of those first X-Men for me. Yeah, it. I mean, as interesting a story as it was during the whole Hope thing, um, it sucked. Yeah. It's sucked sucked to see him like that. Yeah, so there is resolution to that. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not like every like he gives Hope a hug and everything's great, but right. there's enough of an understanding as to why things happen the way that they happen. We're not supposed to be talking about this. This is too soon. We're supposed to be talking about some classic X-Men that we've been doing the reread with. Okay, so we sort of uh, just jumped right into it there, everybody, because Sean... Was was ready to go as soon as he sat down, and I wasn't ready for that because usually we gotta like have foreplay for four hours before we start recording. So uh, now that we're here, hey, this is Jerry. This is Sean, and this is Great Expectations, episode nine. That's right. Ugh. so before we go any further, <laughs> oh, no. this is our third attempt at episode nine. I hope to God it's recording. Uh, I haven't stopped to test it. You should probably do that. I'm going to stop to test it right now. Okay, so, uh, yeah, as I was saying, this is uh, our third attempt now at Episode 9. The first two involved our buddy Greg Turner. We were going to be talking some uh, Roy Thomas and Neil Adams X-Men from uh, the 60s, the Silver Age. And those were both catastrophes for varying reasons, mostly uh, because my equipment sucks. Yeah, first time, computer crashed. Second time there was a microphone disaster. You don't want, you don't want, if Greg hears this, you don't want when we say it was a catastrophe for him to think that it was him. No, no, it certainly was not. Greg was dropping knowledge on us like crazy, which is exactly what we expected because the guy is a comics mastermind. But, uh, he, we did not bring him back for this episode because, uh, 
We wanted well, to get to it real quick. Yeah, and basically I feel like that was cursed. And we needed to <laughs> get something else out before we try again because, oh, what a nightmare. Anyway, so we're here now. It appears to be working. And we're going to go ahead and uh, get caught up on our, our reread stuff that we had started discussing back in episode three. Yeah. And we haven't really gotten back to that in the next six episodes. So let's do it now. Too many sweet, sweet guests. We have had some sweet, sweet guests. And there are more in the pipeline. But uh, we got to get back to some me and you time, man. That's some, right. Some quality time. Some cuddling. Mm-hmm. Some soft jams, some tender jams playing in the background. Slow jams in the night. <sighs> so, Sean... Yes, we. It's unclear, kind of, where we left off last time. Yeah, I yeah, I know um, that I said that I read ninety four through ninety nine because I just started it, but we jumped ahead a little bit to one hundred and one because I think I was talking about the fact that it had one of my all time favorite covers. Yeah, and then I told a story about how my mom bought it for me because I was a womanizing little shit when I was a youngster. <laughs> right. Yeah, so she bought it for stories. me to teach me a lesson. Yeah, in preparation for this, we talked about. How we were going to continue from 100, but it looks like we already did, so we're probably going to jump ahead from there. But um, last night I tweeted that first page to 101. I wanted to mention this because as I read this, I just thought, I know I had said before that Cockrum was my my favorite artist. And rereading these again to get ready for this show, I'm, I'm going to revise that. And I'm going to admit that Byrne was superior but this first page to issue 101, it's just like this is a recap page before they did recap pages regularly. And it is probably the most perfect recap page that has ever been created for me. The It's just a beautiful illustration. I tweeted it last night. Um, it's going to be a week old by the time you guys see this. I'll be sure to put it on the Facebook page. A week. Coming out Sunday, oh, isn't two it? days from now. Holy cow, it's Friday night as we record this. We'll be releasing on Sunday. That's right. So, uh, yeah, so this this splash page at the beginning, uh, it just says prologue. And it's a picture of the shuttle that, that they've escaped from that Death Star thing out in space. Uh, crashing back to Earth and you see Jean Grey in these crazy Technicolors behind it you just see her face and it says welcome to the last moments of a young woman's life her name is Jean Grey Hmm. it's so awesome man and then the the way it just proceeds the you know the crash this is like straight out of a Larry Hama playbook because the plane crashes for three pages it's not quite a full issue but um, I can see here the problems that people have with Chris Claremont because everything is perfectly illustrated by Cockrum. But uh, it's also beautifully described in words by Claremont, which is superfluous. And that's the problem a lot of people have. But the, but they forget that he was getting paid by the word. <laughs> he was. <laughs> Fair enough, man. I, I didn't bring it with me, but I have this, like, Untold Tales of the Phoenix Saga where it's like... A rare interview with like everyone involved and Claremont's really pissed throughout the whole thing. Were they all sitting down together? Uh, yeah. Okay. And it's this just, it, it's really weird. It, like, I think it has, uh, 
version of how he wanted the Dark Phoenix saga to end, as opposed to the way that it actually happened. Oh yeah, that's a well-told story. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but he. Uh, and we'll get to that for those of you that haven't heard it. We will. With us. See. Ah, <gasps> oh, cover is loose on his 101. It's well loved, Jerry. It's not loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's loose from all the action it's gotten. It's loose and sloppy. <laughs> oh, look at that tear. Oh, that's all right, man. That's all right. That hurts you, doesn't it, Jerry? No, I'm good. You sure? That just means mine's more valuable. Every one with a hole in it makes mine more valuable. Man, what a babe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he draws the shit out of her in that issue. Right? And... Yeah, he's uh, some some characters better than other. I don't think his Wolverine is all that. He's got like a jester hat. Oh, sorry, my son is melting down upstairs. Uh, I'm sure the microphone isn't picking that up. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> he's mad because he wants to come hang out with Sean because they're friends. He was super excited when I got here, and he even said, "My friend's here, mom." <laughs> <laughs> and she quickly hurried him away yeah. and was like, You've Don't you talk to him. You've been a bad enough influence on Jerry, Sean. So I don't know, man. Where do you want to start off? I don't know. We were cooking with gas right there for a minute. We got distracted by Finn the Furious upstairs. He was doing his best banshee. I think he even left the ground for a few seconds. Oh man. Powered flight. So basically I love these stories. Yeah, I don't know. And I guess that's why we're here. But um, as much as I love the era that that I grew up with, and I think everybody does, like you love the stuff right around those first couple years you were reading. And Slurmo loves the era he read, which was in between us. And then there's Lawrence, who has loved everything from the beginning of time because he's a bigger X-Men nut than we are. Really? He is. That's true. That's awesome. All right, so here's the deal with these original. Um, I, growing up with the cartoon, when I saw the Phoenix Saga, which led into the Dark Phoenix Saga, it was like a. I remember they had like a five part episode on the cartoon, and it was aired like right after school, like at four thirty. I think they had some super cool Batman thing on too, because the animated series for that was going on at the same time. And uh, I remember rushing home and thinking that the Phoenix Saga was equally as good as the Dark Phoenix Saga. So when I got the comics for what I thought would have been the Phoenix Saga, I was slightly underwhelmed. Hmm. Not because they weren't good, mm-hmm. but just because that story kind of gets broken up. Like, you have issue 101, which is the, you know, they uh, crash into, what is it, Jamaica Bay? Uh-huh. So they're up. You know, on the little Death Star, like Jerry said, fighting Stephen Lang, and he's built robots of the original X-Men, so it's the new X-Men versus the old X-Men for a great 25-cent, 100, issue 100 spectacular. Basically, the end of that issue is when Gene makes the big sacrifice, knocks out Cyclops, and it's a real, like, I don't know, it's heartbreaking. It is. Like, they've only been together for such a short period of time, but it's like... You've got to think about the things that they've been through. Like, it, it might only be six months to a year that they've been together as a team, but, like, you know, it's not like... Think about how, I don't know, 
close you get with like your college roommates or whatever, and then add, were you ever killed just because you were... We gotta cut all this out. Why? Because I'm losing it. It's fine. There isn't much to these. I see what you're saying. It's so, Black Tom and Juggernaut. Well, I think we have different opinions on this, maybe. Yeah, so the, the, the scene where Gene takes over the ship, actually, is the very end of 100. She says goodbye to Storm. Nightcrawler and Colossus have to hold Cyclops back. It's a fucking bummer of an issue, man. This storyline, I think, has affected you. You get very philosophical when you when we talk about this because this has come up several times. The uh, vignette from X Men Classic where she gets ready for their date, yeah, never to come home again. Exactly. And in a way, in the end, it all works out. You know, I can't imagine. Does it? I, she gets a second chance at least. A second chance that delves into like. Holy shit, so are we talking Second Chance in the Dark Phoenix Saga, or are we talking post-Dark Phoenix Saga? I'm talking about X-Factor era. Oh, okay. Oh, man, you know? Which is jumping way ahead. Yeah. But she, I mean, as a reader at this time, I can't even imagine what the internet would look like if this were to happen now. Holy shit. I just think you the know, reason... if it were happening for the first time, Jean Grey's died like a hundred times now. Right. But a character as well-loved as she was, I mean, this I guess it's not Gwen Stacy. I think there's, listen, I think there's there's been a few deaths in the X-Men history that I think are more poignant than the others. Mm-hmm. I think Nightcrawlers. Like Thunderbird is number one. Exactly. <laughs> Banshee, clearly number two. Banshee number two. No, it's like... Professor X number three, four, and five. This one kills me because it's like she is a teenager that has just been like, I love the rest of you so much that I'm gonna, I've got the best shot. Like she makes the decision in issue one hundred to die. It's not like somebody was like, it wasn't like a villain fucking threw a building on her or anything like that. It was like a clear cut decision of like, this is it. I got to do this so everybody else that I care about survives. She, I Sucks. think she did feel like she had a shot, though. Yeah, but I... Th- and she she knew that it wasn't a good one. But she was giving herself a chance to make through it, make it through. And then, you know, you get to the next issue, it looks like she did. Yeah. And uh, I will assume... Do we know what their original intent was? Their intent was, this is Jean Grey, right? Yes. So their intent was, this is Jean Grey... Yeah. She her, does survive. Her actions in the Dark Phoenix Saga were what caused them to kill her. Right. Which was, I believe, an editorial decision. It was Jim Shooter. Yes. Yeah. So we'll get to that eventually. But So so here she reemerges as, as the Phoenix. She's got all these great new powers. Everybody's all broken up about it. They're in the hospital visiting her. Logan goes and buys some flowers. Man, I love that. They, they do like a second-person narrative... As he's like buying the flowers and, and, uh, it's such a great scene, you know. He, he's like, what am I doing? You know, I'm a loner. I can't believe I'm doing this. Ah, whatever Wolverine wants, Wolverine gets, and I'm gonna get her. And he walks in thinking he's gonna show up with these flowers and be the only one there, but he's, turns out he's the last one there. Yeah. She was loved, buddy. 
Let's see, Cyclops drawn as an old man by Cochran. <laughs> it's always when he makes Cyclops look so old. Yeah. Well, you you call Jane a teenager, and at this point, I think she's well, an adult. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's I mean, got a she's got her own place after this, and that's true. Good point. Still a little too young to be making a sacrifice in some crazy ass space shuttle. You know, anytime you're somebody's kid, I think it's too young. So then, uh, true. So then, Professor, you know, the reread is really my relationship with Professor Xavier is a very weird one. His relationship with Gene is a weird one. I don't want to get into that ever. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that he loves her? It's just so, like... No, he's loved every woman he's ever known. That's pretty clear so far. I mean, does he, does he have a hit list somewhere on the internet? There's, I don't know. He loves Gene. There was uh, Gabe Heller. Yeah. There was Moira McTaggart. Yeah. There was Lilandra. Yeah. Is that it? I think so. Wait a he second. He probably taps Callisto in that new Excalibur book that Claremont did a while back. <laughs> so at this point she in the Marvel Universe... She had all those octopus arms. Do you think that Xavier was the first person to bang an alien life form in the Marvel Universe? Uh... Let First me, human. What year is this? It is... 73, 4, 5, 6. 76. 76. Okay. 76. Avengers is probably around 150. Oh. Yeah, so the Guardians of the Galaxy appeared? Well, their first appearance was in 68 or 69. But... I don't remember any of them hooking up right away. Well... If it was the first or the second, good on you, Xavier. It's pretty early. And if it wasn't for his telepathy, the only language they'd be speaking was the language of love. Yeah, and then while they're in the hospital, Xavier starts yelling at everybody about how they need to get out of there because Scott and Jean can give her all the attention and care that she needs. And Banshee's all like, it's cool, man. Sounds good. (laughs) Just got a letter from a lawyer. Just inherited a big-ass castle in Ireland. I think I'm going to take everybody out there. And that, yeah, another page that I just love. With it, you know, it's like an adventure, right? They they hop on a plane, they take a train, yeah. then they hire a car. It's like the it's like the scenes in Indiana Jones where he like gets in the plane and you see the little red dash. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I wish I was on a trip like that. It makes me want to go on a trip. We should do a cross country. We should go to San we should Diego time. And we should, uh... We should go to Thought Bubble. We should podcast across the states. We'll bring our podcast to X-Men fans everywhere. We'll interview you in your homes. We'll see your collections. We'll steal graded books. Free them from their coffins. No! I wouldn't do that. They'd end up like your books. It's disgusting. (laughs) Listen, I love this fucking comic. Smell it, Jerry. I'm not gonna smell it while you're holding it there. (laughs) <laughs> so this is the first appearance of Black Tom Cassidy. No. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Do you remember seeing him in any of the other issues? Nope. No. Well, there he is. So they all arrive at the castle not realizing that it's a trap set by Black Tom Cassidy and his partner in crime, Juggernaut. Sons of bitches. Yeah. I think this is one. Of, see, this is where it. Oh, oh. 
Oh, there goes another cover. <laughs> Hot damn, first appearance, X Uncanny 99. Oh, shit. In Shadow. All right. 101, first full appearance. What up? Did not know that. Well, there you go. What do you think I can get for my first appearance of Black Tom Cassidy? <laughs> well, having taken a look at it, I'm not going to guess much. No? No. What if I tell someone the story of all the love that's been put into this issue? How many times it's been read? I dig this little adventure. I know it, it kind of uh, doesn't move the Phoenix storyline along, but some really important things happen in here. You learn about Nightcrawler's little disappearing act in the shadows, like the fact that he, not even he knew that he could do it. It's true. You get the uh, you get the backstory on Aurora. Yep. A little bit of it and find out how her parents died and uh how she was raised before she met xavier and the fact that she's claustrophobic which plays a very large role in this story it does yeah you get the first time that charles xavier ever meets misty knight and he's like he did misty knight he's like add that to my list he's got more comic crushes than jerry mcdade i doubt it misty knight's not on my list by the way that's racist. <laughs> no. No robot arms. I just, I think that would be cold. Okay. I don't like it. This Iron issue, Fist can have it. This issue, though, uh, reminds me, there's this scene that used to fucking crack me up in the cartoon, because uh, Banshee and Black Tom get into a fight in the castle, and they, like, realize that their powers don't work on each other. And so Black Tom throws down his little stick that he channels his connect power through, and he just goes, "We're gonna have to settle this with our fists." <laughs> fucking, and I remember the fucking fist. He just goes, "I, my fist." <laughs> and I don't know why I thought it was so funny, but it was like it got so fucking serious. Like everybody else was running around like punching each other, but then there's this one fucking, and he screams, "I." <laughs> My fist. So they're Australian. <laughs> well, think about Pride of the X-Men, man. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about it. The greatest X-Men cartoon ever if you ignore Australian Wolverine. Shit happens. It was fucking funny, dude. I don't, as, a, as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid, I thought it was the fucking funniest thing ever. Isn't it weird that we're... Two Irish guys, and neither one of us can do an Irish accent. Worth a damn. <laughs> Our grandparents are rolling over in their graves. I think if I if I had seen it beforehand, I might have been able to do a little bit better. I'd like to give myself a little bit of credit. No, just say faith in Begora. It was awesome, though. I'm gonna have to watch that again. Then it gets weird because there's little leprechauns running around. It's not weird. Anything can happen. Yeah, it's one hundred three. It's one hundred three where they figure out that uh, that Nightcrawler can blend into the shadows. Oh, you're right. Yep. And he uses an image inducer to turn into Charles, which freaks out Black Tom and Juggernaut. <laughs> Juggernaut's like Charles. <laughs> oh man, this is going to be a podcast just for me and you. <laughs> <laughs> That's 
lost my Irish accent. Good times. Holy shit. So there's a part where Nightcrawler image induces Xavier like basically somersaults himself over the juggernaut. And fucking Black Tom goes something wrong. I thought you said Xavier was a cripple. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So my mom died right before the... Uh, the oh, X- yeah. We're still <laughs> laughing. Right before the X-Men movie came out. And so this kid showed up to the viewing with all the X-Men movie toys. Because he wanted to cheer me up. And fucking Xavier won. They, when you step, when you pulled it out of, it's screws, the screws in its legs were loose. So that when you would try to stand the toy up, it was impossible for it to stand. <laughs> like the legs would just fucking fall out. And like, it was probably. It was designed that way? Yes, or? it was designed so that, no. so that, oh, dude, I have like four of them. I will bring one over here one day. Oh my god. The That's... fucking funniest thing ever. Setting them up. And just. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the legs just wobble if you pick Aww, them up. Oh, that poor guy. You know, there were periods where he could walk. There was an issue where he could rollerblade. Think about it. Whew. That's awesome. So that's 101 through 103. Hi! Hi! <laughs> My fist! So, is it at the end of 103 we see Eric the Red pop up again? Oh, Jesus, Eric the Red. I suppose that people don't understand my hatred for Eric the Red if they didn't hear the original episode 9. Yeah. I gotta remember our own continuity. I forgot it. It is true. It's not the first time you see it, but he pops up. But he's, he's the driver behind all this, right? He's the one that put Black Tom on this. Yeah. So, you find out at the end of issue 103 that Eric you see kind of the back of his head that uh, he's talking with some he's talking to Emperor Deken right so you don't know who that is yet though oh you don't even know who any of those people are yet that's right you've never seen them before but uh you know that a guy who looks from behind like Eric the Red is talking to somebody about this massive plot and that Magneto is next on deck. Which leads us into 104. So, uh, beginning of 104, you quickly learn that you don't cross the X-Men because they hire a a hovercraft because I guess that's a popular thing to do in the 70s. And, uh, And the guy changes his mind, won't let him ride it. So, they sweat him. He finally caves in and the hovercraft blows up. Ejecting them all into the ocean. Come to find out, it's Magneto who's come to cause trouble. Like he does. Like he does. And then they recap the fact that he had been turned into a baby in the Defenders. And he has since been regrown. As explained by the multiple man, Jamie Madrox. I'm going to have to get a chart for the Magneto as a baby thing. I don't think you need a chart. I think it's pretty straightforward. He gets shrunk. Let's see. How did that work? So... Okay, so in the Neil Adams thing, it's revealed that Magneto, they thought had died, was replaced by a robot and returned, surprising them, Magneto's back. But no, he's just a robot, so maybe he was really dead. So he appears again later in the Adams run, 
uh, and is defeated, thought dead? Probably. And then he appears again in The Defenders, where they shrink him into a baby. And he's taken to Muir Island. And they've got him in lockdown, kept out of trouble, when Eric the Red shows up, beats up Jamie Madrox, steals the baby, and re-ages him. And now Magneto's more powerful than ever, guys. More powerful than ever. Thus, explaining how he could have been around during World War II and still not be old and decrepit now. Right. And when they're done kicking his ass. Well, they don't really kick his ass. They get their asses kicked. Yeah. At first. You know, and here you get to see... This is like any great movie fight where a guy is attacked by a gang and they run at him one at a time, which is always a recipe for success. Especially when half of them are made of metal. Anyway, so they come out victorious. And Magneto... This is classic uh, Claremont planting seeds. Magneto um, accidentally stirs a sealed chamber that's marked Mutant X. No admits. Proteus, man. But that's a story for another time. And then blah, blah, blah. Fire Lord gets tricked into helping Eric the Red now. So that's this is like the X-Men's gauntlet. Yeah. They got to fight him. And then Lilandra shows up. I really loved this issue when I was a kid. It was one of like the, the, there's like a few standouts that remind me of buying back issues as I was a kid. And I remember being fascinated. Like it was fun to pick up issues that like were around the time period that I, like I missed the editor note boxes. Oh yeah. Like I missed that. Yeah. And I think like weirdly enough, I'm not a digital reader and I don't ever think that I will be a digital reader, but I think it's weird that they don't still have those with the ability to, like, hover your iPhone over the editor box with, like, a link to buy it on Comixology oh, yeah. as a digital version. Well, that stupid uh, Marvel app never works for it me. never works. I, and now... I've given up on I it. I noticed this the other night when I was reading the, the second issue of Trilogy and Grey, the Guardians of the Galaxy one. There's, like, this fucking beautiful page that Stuart Eminem drew of like Iceman's out in the backyard okay and and basically like it's just a really fucking pretty picture of where they're at like stuff's happening and things are going on but it's just a great panel and this fucking obnoxious like AR, AR as the world turns, oh. it's even bigger than the normal little, or as the page turns, even bigger than, like, is, I would be fucking furious if I was Stuart Eminem. Like, you're gonna, I'm gonna do all this work making this kick-ass Canadian tree, <laughs> and you're gonna cover it up with this fucking... Why has it gotta be a Canadian tree, Sean? Because they're in Canada. <laughs> oh, right, yes. Sorry. Buying issues around the time period that I started reading, like buying back issues that were a few issues old, was great. Also sad when I look back on it now of how much I must have been charged as a youngster yeah. for shitty back issues that now you can get in like the quarter bins. Yeah, the value on this stuff... Uh... <laughs> when I was reading it, I swear yeah. to God, like my the brother... age before eBay. My brother probably spent like... 
50 to 80 dollars on like the first appearance of gambit for my birthday once you know yeah. what i'm saying like just yep. something ridiculous and i have no idea what that book goes for now but stupid so yeah. fucking stupid so dumb Anyways, so there are a few standouts of, like, taking family trips or whatever, where I remember going into some comic book store or, like, used bookstore or something like that, you know, someplace where someone didn't know that they had this treasure trove of, like, 1976 X-Men issues and buying them up really quick, and this was one of the issues that I remember. Because, come on, that is a fucking cool cover. Yeah. They get their asses kicked a lot on the covers. <laughs> they do. It's awesome. Storm's always... Well, alright. 103's got a cool Storm cover. I'm like, I don't much care for... Mm-hmm. You're gonna get on Slormo's bad side. Be careful. Why is that? Because he hates Storm. Yeah? Yep. Why? Racist. That's what I thought. Plus, Fire Lord's pretty cool. I think I might have bought a Fire Lord action figure after this. After I read this issue. Mm-hmm. He's alright. He's pretty tough. Harold the Galactus, man. Now, does he, he... It's a bit of a digression, but do you think he still has the uh, cosmic power at this point? I have no idea. Because Silver Surfer always gets to keep his. What's so special about him? Stanley really loved him. That's true. What is this? Havoc and Lorna are working with Eric the Red? Say, man, that's not cool. Those two. They're always traitoring. Hey, this is... Uh, this is one of those little... Homages we talked about. You went yeah. into extensive detail about the hey, look, I'm on that page Starship too. Enterprise swipe. So right in the middle of all this hot Fire Lord action, they jump through a Stargate and disappear. What's going to happen? And at this point, remember, it's bi-monthly, so you get six issues a year. And That's this tough. happens, and then the next issue is a fill-in issue. Oof. That does not progress the story anymore. So it's four months until you find out where they end up when they jump through the Stargate. There is. And you also, this is the first time, before they jump through the Stargate, it's the first time that Xavier actually sees Lalandra. You're right. She teleports into Jean's apartment where her folks are visiting. Misty's there. So there's a fill-in issue, as I said, with 106 where... The X-Men fight the original X-Men in the Danger Room. Wait, how's... But it... But Fire Lord's there. Yeah, Fire Lord's there. How could it be a fill-in issue, though, if it's a continuation of the fight with Fire Lord? Somehow... I don't know what the story is. Um, because Claremont and Cockrum are credited at the bottom of the first splash page. There's a credit line. It doesn't say what anybody did. So I'm not clear on who draws the first two pages that tie it in to the fill-in issue. It Uh, it does say in the letters page at the end of the issue that this was written by Bill Mantlo two years ago. And not two years ago from now, but two years ago when this was first published. And uh, drawn by this Bob Mm -hmm. Brown. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and sad story because uh, not long before this issue was published, uh, Bob Brown died. So, um, they were hoping that this issue would never see the light of day because they wouldn't fall behind on their printing schedule. Uh, but they did because Cochran was working on a, uh, John Carter miniseries. And, um, they used this to, uh, let him catch up. 
And uh, I I think it's touching that they did because you know it's a nice tribute to the work that Bob Brown put in before his passing. Yeah. And a really nice kind of um, semi obituary from Chris Claremont. Mm-hmm. There's a great. I love the evil Xavier in this. Yeah. Like, he looks insane. So awesome. And all of this is in Xavier's fever dream, which was brought on by Lilandra showing up. Yes. This whole issue is just a dream in his head of the X-Men fighting each other. And he's there egging it on. <laughs> what does that say about him? Well, I remember in the cartoon when I was a kid, like, the same one showing up. And he was, like, taunting Wolverine. And I was just like, this guy is a dick. It's like my relationship with Xavier is seriously a roller coaster. Because there are issues where I'm like, you are the creepiest, evilest old man ever. Uh-huh. And then the, I think they did really good stuff with him in the early 90s before the Onslaught thing. But he was basically gone for the... I mean, I guess I haven't read the New Mutant stuff, but it just seems like he's always flaking out. Yeah. I think I had an attachment to him because one of the first, like, big crossovers that I ever read was the Executioner's song, and it was about him getting shot and almost dying. Mm -hmm. And because of how affected the characters were that I was starting to grow and care about, because of the way that they were affected by him, I, I was too. So because of their character... Like you, if they care about him and they're there good must people, be a reason. there must be a good reason why. Even though I hadn't had that much time with the character of Xavier yet because of when I jumped in yeah, and started reading. I mean, I jumped on when New Mutants were hot, or, you know, in the 20, early 20s. And, uh, and he was an integral part of that, that book. And he was, you know, still important to the X-Men, but it, it was only a year into m- me reading the X-Men that he checks out. So, and then it's years before he comes back. Yeah. There's no Professor X in those books, so yeah, I guess it is weird that, like, when he died uh, in AVX, you and I, I think, were both kind of negative about that. Yeah, because... But definitely me. I guess I shouldn't speak for you. No, I I was thinking about it because um, Carrie had done a really good job with, like, flushing some stuff out and kind of shedding a little bit of the Brubaker. um, Professor Xavier created another team, blah, 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 bullshit. Yeah. And um, I just feel like the past couple years it was a bunch of writers who maybe didn't either know what to do with Xavier or... Maybe grew up in a time period when he wasn't around, so they didn't much care for him. Yeah. So just feel like the way that he was done away with, I didn't like it. However, the only person I think who's been handling it correctly, oddly enough, is Rick Remender. Even with all the fucked up shit he's done, uh-huh. I like the fact that the X-Men who are on the Unity Squad and Uncanny Avengers seem... They're the ones closely tied to him. They seem deeply affected by the loss of Xavier, where I think Wolverine is using the loss of Xavier to be mad at Cyclops. Uh-huh. And I don't even think it's registered with Cyclops yet about what he did, because he refuses to, like, acknowledge, I was the Phoenix, I was the Phoenix, I was the Phoenix, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I think that I like Xavier being around because I like the character. 
and it's weird, like, the more portrayals I see of him, like, I liked him in the cartoon, especially, like, there was one season where he was, like, running around in the Savage Land with Magneto, and I thought that was cool because he could walk, and he was, you know, it was the first time you saw any of that, like, the adventurer Xavier. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite issues that we just recently read, which we'll go way more into detail when we get to it, was the uh, first appearance of the Shadow King. Uh-huh. When Xavier, like that, changed my perception of Xavier so much. I that, think that uh, he's a great character. I just think that that no one knew what to do with him, and so because of that, as much as I wanted him to stick around, because I think he's a good character, I think it's the best thing to happen to him in the past ten years. Because instead of everybody dumping on him, nobody can screw with him. It's right. like now we at least get this revered, like he was a good man and he was the best of all of us. Yeah, and he always tried. Like, so I appreciate what Remender's doing in that. Like, Rogue seems deeply affected by it. Alex seems deeply affected by it. Like, yeah, you know, I, I think that that Logan's Logan was always pushed to do the Jean Grey school because of Jean, not because of Charles. So I don't know. I like him being around. Me too. I, I you know, I'm excited for that new series that's coming out. The Magneto one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to it. However, I, I think it would be cool to get a couple lost stories of some early Magneto. Magneto and Charles together? Yeah. I think. Yeah, that would be cool. I just think there's a lot... We'll just have to be happy with the films, I guess. Yeah, unlike the rest of the internet who sees the photo and freaks the fuck out. <laughs> Are you talking about the magazine covers? Yeah. I just love how we've like barely even seen a trailer because the first teaser trailer for that didn't even have any special effects in it because they rushed it so quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you get a couple of... And I love the people that are like, oh, fucking Singer. Because it's like... You guys were up Singer's ass when the first two came out. When the third one came out, you were like, holy shit, I want him back so, so bad. Yeah. And then it's like, I don't even think Matthew Vaughn gets enough credit for first class because everybody's like Singer was executive producer that's why it got back on track hmm. and it's like no it got back on track because of Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy that's what <laughs> got it back on track yeah. yeah and I feel like with this new one everybody's like oh they're back in their black costumes and all that stuff and it's just like I just wish that we like like this was all that there was two months between X-Men issues that's it yeah now you've got fucking major, big-budget Hollywood films coming out, and all we do is bitch. Well, I mean, people want it to be good, you know? I, but no matter what, like... I think oh, it's for the right reason. I did the unthinkable the other day. I decided that it would be a good idea to look up the very first Avengers trailer. And when that came out, there was not a single... I did not see a single person win that first Avengers trailer. The one with um, the Nine Inch Nails tune in it. When that came out, there was not a fucking negative word said about that trailer. Like, everyone was basically just like, holy shit, that was amazing. Now, it's been what, two years? Two. Two? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I go back to the first trailer. All the comments on YouTube are just like, this is a pretty shitty trailer. (laughs) <laughs> this doesn't really hold up the way that I remember it. And it's like, no matter what, like, I'm sure that the first X-Men movie looks like garbage, but you know what? On fucking June 14th of 2000, I was fucking glued to a non-stadium theater seating because that's how long ago that movie came out. 
I had a buddy who worked at a movie theater, and when the first trailer came in, he brought me into the place like after it was closed, and I sat on the floor of the movie theater and watched it by myself in the theater and fucking cried because I was so fucking excited. When Wolverine's on the Statue of Liberty and he pops his claws, I had him cut the film cell out of the trailer and I carried it around with me so that I could look at it. That's how fucking excited I was for that movie. I understand that Quicksilver's costume looks like shit, and the hair's all wrong, and I get it, but it's like, you know what? 15 fucking years ago, I never, ever in my life thought that there would be an X-Men movie, let alone, what are we on, six? Six or seven? Now they're talking about Apocalypse? Like, Yeah. Just focus on the fucking good. Like, that big, giant, purple fucking robot looks sweet. And everybody's like, oh, it doesn't look the way that I wanted it to. It's a giant fucking purple robot. It's cool <laughs> as shit. Yeah. Like, everybody's back. Yeah. I Yeah, I haven't heard anybody Bishop's gonna be on really there. complain about this. Warpath is in there. No, but see, that's the thing. Like, everybody's, oh, it's a kid from Twilight. He's, if you were a young kid in fucking L.A., and somebody was like, hey, you want to be a werewolf in Twilight? I'd be like, Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> Just kills me when everybody yeah. gets like super high and mighty and like I wouldn't fucking do that. Yes, you would. You yeah. absolutely. You think I wanted to fucking snow eight inches and then have to drive forty five minutes to my job? No, I'll be in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear that fucking Quicksilver get up. <laughs> <coughs> Fair enough. So I just wish that everybody just kind of take a step back and just go, it's... Like, you know, and that's the other thing, too, like... It'd be easier if X3 hadn't happened. I, you know what? And Wolverine Origin hadn't you want, happened. You want to you hear something fucking crazy? I really liked X-Men 3. That is crazy. What? I, I admit that when I first saw it, I thought it was the shit. Okay. But, uh... Upon rewatching it, it's not as great it's as I thought disaster. it was. It's a disaster. But you know what? I really liked the the little end battle scene when, when Beast was running around beating the crap out that of people. That is some of the worst wire work I, I have care. ever I don't seen. I don't care. Fraser Crane is not the Beast. <laughs> okay? I'm sorry. Who do you want cast as the Beast? Uh, I like the dude that they had from um, First Class. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I like that Beast. Yeah, no. I mean, yes, absolutely. The Beast in First Class was way better than the one in X-Men The Last Stand. However, when I saw that movie, I was like, holy shit. I was the glad Beast. they went for it. The whole movie, I was wishing for more Colossus. That though, I remember sitting there thinking, I wish Colossus was in this. But, like, that's the thing, dude. I can look back at that movie and I can be like, this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. But you know what? The fucking giant nerd boner that I had when that fucking Sentinel... In the beginning, when the yeah. showed up, I was like, what yeah. the fuck ever? Yes, one and two were way better than three, but there are still moments in three where I'm like, I'm sorry. You got blue balls, though, after, the, the, when but, you realized it was just the danger room. Yeah, a little bit. But it was still cool to see the fucking danger room. Like, yeah. I was like, fucking, hey, there's the danger room, right? Yeah. The, the fucking scene where Juggernaut, when they go to the house to get Gene, and the, the Brotherhood's there, and the X-Men are there, it's well, Storm and well, Logan. That whole house scene is awesome. 
I don't give a fuck what yeah. anybody says. Okay, yeah, I do love when that Juggernaut scene. grabs Logan and he fucking throws him through the the top floor of the house and he comes down in another room. Like I wanted to fucking cheer. I was like, that is that is some Larry Hama esque writing. <laughs> Get that shit done. Did you catch the butterfly that flew through the room? <laughs> I didn't. I'll have to no, go back. It doesn't exist. Uh, but yeah, I I did dig that the whole thing where, where uh, Gene kills Professor X yeah. and like that was a pretty powerful scene. But Logan's everything like holding on with his claws and the ceiling, the whole house getting torn apart. You can tell that Magneto was like upset with yeah. what is happening. Ratner fucking sucks. And did, is it going to hold up? Absolutely not. Neither are the Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, unfortunately. And in ten years, neither are the fucking Andrew Garfield ones. Some kid is going to look at the Avengers fucking 20 years from now the same way I looked at it when my dad sat me down to watch the original Last of the Mohicans after the Daniel Day-Lewis one came out. And I was like, <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> I like linking the things that I love to... to Stories and memories and stuff. Okay, people need to understand that that's what the show is. I know. Like, our love of these comics is based on how it affected and fit into our lives while we were reading. Yeah. That's what this show is. Exactly. How can people not get that? And they should care about what happened to us as kids. Yeah. And they should care about... And that's why we want to have guests on. We don't want to have guests on so that they can talk about... I mean, it's nice that they pimp their things or whatever, but it's more about their similar experiences growing up with these characters. Yeah, so people realize we're a community of people that love these books and we're not just shitting on each other on Twitter all day. Exactly. What we should be doing is we should all be ganging up and shitting on Stegman. Probably. <laughs> like she we did last it. night. I'm it's cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> he probably secretly listens to these shows and just cries in the corner when we don't bring him up. Yeah, and when we do, because it's never nice. I was I was gonna tweet out something about how I hope that Wolverine number one sells more than X Men number one next week. That'd be awesome. But I was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. You know, I missed those when they came out. I went and found them shortly afterwards. Yeah. Because my buddies were like, you gotta check all this out. Like, X Force number one has all these polybagged books, and, you know, there's collectible cards inside, and there's these new characters, and there's this guy called Cable, and he's awesome, and there's like five covers to this X Men number one. We're gonna go back to the Cable thing a little bit later on. Okay. When I saw where Cable ranked on that list, where was he? 30. I'm thinking that he should be in the top ten. Not for me. No? He's, to me, he's not even really an X-Men. But see, that's the thing is I don't think that we've gotten to the time period where he would be. Well, as soon as he shows a willingness to work with the team... True. I'm down with it. I, it's just one of those things where it's like I was reading something with him the other night, and I was just like, that dude's amazing because it's like it shows that like Xavier's dream is still strong hmm. anyways we gotta go back to talking about Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> no we don't that's what so, people came here to talk about yeah. getting back to 106 the X-Men fight each other it's a fill-in issue sad story artist stars issue. you like that issue 
overall, you think 106 was a good issue? The fill-in where the X-Men fight their robotic uh, predecessors in the danger room? I like the evil Xavier. Uh-huh. And I don't want to shit on the fill-in issue because the guy died. Yeah. Well, you know, Cockrum died too. I'm going to say some really mean things about him later. Oh. That's not true. I will never say anything mean about. Well, see, you see, it's not yeah, all I mean, great. It's not, I mean, you're yeah. I mean, it's sandwiched in there, and that kind of sucks. And this is one of the things that actually kept me off of reading Avengers for a really long time is how disjointed those stories are. Yeah, like the Avengers stories really never felt. The what era are we talking about? Always, always. I feel like, anyways, I don't know. It always seemed super impenetrable to me. If you want to know the first Avenger story I ever read, I was like, I like Carlos Pacheco's art. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get that Avengers, Avengers Forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that should be everybody's first Avengers Holy story. Holy shit, I think it took me a year to read it. Yeah, well... I think I could read, like, one issue a month, and every time I just wanted to, like... I, I looked at that, like, the thing... Like, the second I opened up the back of the first issue and saw, like, the... The notations of like where everything happened in yeah. the history. I was like, "Oh, I've made a terrible error." <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! I should probably, oh god, that's so good though. I should probably go back and read it. For Avengers fans, I don't think it gets a whole lot better than Avengers Forever. Really? I mean, for continuity nuts, like I'm waiting for the Avengers Forever for the X Men. Has that happened yet? I I. You know, like a, an epic story that's just between the raindrops across a whole era. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, obviously it's my own fault because that's a terrible for a beginner. Because yeah. it was like I had read Bendis' stuff and then that was that. Because was that. I had a buddy who was like, holy shit, you're never going to leave what's going on in comics. Wolverine is, I mean, that's what got me back into comics after my Grant Morrison break. Uh-huh. But no, I'm talking about like the older issues, like when I would go back and read them, it just, it never felt, it never had, the thing that I love about the X-Men, which is One whole, story feeds into the next. And it's, and it's that, and it's the fact that they're a family. So, so uh, yeah, back on track. X-Men 107 has a splash page that is one of the most iconic images in my mind when I was growing up of the X-Men. I see this, I saw this everywhere when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. Like when people showed you ink blots, that's what you saw. Yes. <laughs> All the X Men together. Yeah, I just remember seeing it in like Wizard a lot when they do stories on the X Men and stuff. You see that image right. a lot. So now, this is an interesting parallel because, um, as I said before, between issue 105 when they went into the Stargate and issue 107 when the story actually picks up again, four months had gone by. Holy shit. And um, in this podcast, between when we talked about issue 105 and now four months have gone by so it's a weird parallel that's all i'm saying this was it's all i must have been so confused as a kid reading this though because that does make perfect sense so yeah this splash page is awesome i will put i'll make a note to put this 303 yeah but the next page man so page 107 they come out of the stargate and you see the X-Men just looking at something and they all have this astonished look on their face. And then you see, when you turn the page, a two-page splash of what they see. Which is... The Emcron Crystal. And it's surrounded by... 
The Imperial Guard. That's right. Who are basically just Marvel's version of the Justice League 2.0, with 1.0 being the Squadron Sinister. I know none of that. See, this is why I don't I, want to ruin. I and I I don't think it's directly. There there aren't perfect analogs for everybody because some of these guys are analogs for the X Men. No, no, no. And you know, I it, totally get that. It's just weird sometimes when I find the like inside baseball stuff. It like tends to bum me out. You're like, no, don't tell me. <laughs> but but seriously, I think that's what. It, except there's a couple guys. God, the first time I saw these guys was in. The, uh, the Dark Phoenix, the, the end of the Dark Phoenix saga, yeah. when the X-Men have to battle them to save Jean Grey. That was the first time I saw them. I didn't read this until much later. Uh, so you, you only get a really small taste of who the Imperial Guard are. You, you don't have a sense of what half of them can do here. They're just, every single guy is a different race. Really cool looking powers. Really cool character designs. Everyone completely different. Um, Gladiator is one of my favorite Marvel characters. Gladiator's pretty badass. because I hate Superman. Yeah. But he's straight up Superman fueled by his own ego. Yeah. Which is why I love him. <laughs> Gladiator is my spirit I love animal. Kid Gladiator. Yeah. Can I just throw that out there? Kid Gladiator. With him and Warbird, I think that was when Wolverine and the X-Men was at its best. Yeah. When they were still around. Uh, that is a digression. We can go back now. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Unless you have something to add. Nope. So first appearance of the Imperial, Imperial Guard in the Macron... 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 Okay. So some serious ass whipping begins. You get to see a really awesome fight. Yeah. No, I mean this goes is on great. for pages. Uh, and this is the first like big group fight that that this team of X Men gets. Usually, it's you know a couple Sentinels or one villain. Yeah. But this is the first like. Just bedlam brawl, and it's awesome. Yes, uh, and Wolverine manhandles just about everybody he can get his mitts on, men and women both. And what else? What else? Well, Landra here? basically gives a rundown of what happened, and up and in, including the X Men number sixty five stuff with the Xenox race with Xavier. Oh God! Yeah, which we talked about at length in. In uh, the lost episode, episode 9.2, <laughs> with this being 9.3. Yeah, because there's a, um, there's a, the other night when I was reading this, because this is where I, I went back, I didn't, unfortunately I didn't go all the way back to 100, because it had been quite some time since I had, uh, basically since we did episode number three is when I started doing the reread, so a lot of this stuff is four months old in my mind, but man, that alien... In that panel on that page, it's a psychic alien that's talking to Emperor Daken. Mm-hmm. It's creepy as hell. Uh, reminds me of something out of StarCraft. I have you no know? idea what that is. It's a video game, and I'm sure they lifted heavily from Cockrum's designs. 
it, which Cochran probably lifted from something else. Who knows? But yeah, great issue. 107, great issue. Wait, no, you're skipping over some really important stuff. So basically... Oh, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Shit, Real important stuff. So basically the X-Men, you know, the Imperial Guards start to turn the tide, blah, blah, blah. Gladiator's whooping some ass. When out of nowhere he gets hit, and you get the uh, second but first full appearance of the Starjammers, led by space pirate Corsair. Yar. What a badass. I loved that toy when I was a kid. <laughs> and did you like his Freddie Mercury mustache? Hell yeah! I love everybody's <laughs> Freddie Mercury mustache. All right, so we got to figure this out here on air. Okay. How do we say it? Uh, Chad is how I always say. Chad. It. Okay. Yeah. Chad. I don't know. I'm. I. I in my head, him, it was always Chad. You didn't just call him Chode. <laughs> Chode. I never called him Chode. No? Because that is a small penis to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I called him. <laughs> that's, that's fine. He is not a small penis, though. Okay. He is wrinkly. I suppose that's why the apostrophe is there. But you know me and my grammar. You bastards. Yeah, well, I always assume that every time there's an apostrophe in somebody's name, it's a pause. But I don't, I don't like pauses. Just keep going. Power through it. Get Raza. So Chode, Chod, whatever. We'll go with Chod. 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 Yeah, and then uh, Gene does a quick old mind scan. Here's where just shit to, starts just getting Just to crazy. make sure that, you know, they're all on the up and up. She realizes that, she doesn't say it, but she says, no, it can't be. But, oh, Scott, no, it is. She knows. She knows this is Scott's first lover. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, do we want to let the cat out of the bag now, or do we want to wait until we the reveal? We wait until the reveal. <gasps> yes, I love waiting until the reveal. So then the This guy, this, looks, this Corsair, looks oddly familiar to me. He's got an American accent. He's a badass, which should give you a clue. <laughs> <laughs> he leads from the front... <laughs> Has a a steely gaze that can knock you over. <laughs> so then here, this page, the final page of issue one hundred and seven. I would think somebody from your era would read and just smile because this ties into a very important event that we've covered before on the show, and that is the Age of Apocalypse. Yes. The Macron crystal, or Mcron crystal, as Sean calls it. Who knows? I don't know. Macron sounds pretty sexy. Uh, gets a bunch of energy poured into it, and all of a sudden, in that instance, all existence goes blink. And suddenly, Peter Corbeau on the Star Core space station and Reed Richards are shitting their pants. Why? Because all of existence has just blinked out, and they have no idea what caused it. As Rich, Reed Richards says right here, but what could have caused it, man? That was a pretty good Reed Richards. You know he talks like that. He, yeah. The guy smokes a pipe. Think about it. Sweet. Issue 108. Oh, we're doing this, huh? This is this wraps it up, right? Yeah, but I thought you only wanted to do the Cochrane issues. 
You wanted to shut it down on Cockrum. Oh. What do you want to do? We can do it. Let's just... We'll, we'll give him just the tip. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Issue 108 is the end of this story, I think. It's always hard to find the end because, yeah, we'll, we'll call this the end. So this wraps up the whole intergalactic art of the introduction of Lalandra and the Shi'ar and uh, their second voyage into space as the X-Men but their first really off planet and uh, it is also the introduction of art by John Byrne and inks by his talented partner Terry Austin and I think the transition is pretty seamless I think that it's a pretty good match for what's come before. Only better. I'm admitting now. I'm admitting on air it's better. Even these early issues. <laughs> and I think the storytelling is an instant upgrade. Yeah. No, I mean, Byrne kills it. So they, the X-Men, in an attempt to stop these blinks, uh attempt to enter the Macron crystal, right? Mm-hmm. And it's guarded by this tiny little guy named Joff, who we see again during the Dark Phoenix Saga, right? Am I mixing that up? Because Wolverine gets knocked into it again during yeah. that fight on the blue area of the moon, right? Yeah. And I think they have a run-in again. But, so, again, that was... That was the first interaction I saw between the two of them. But um, Wolverine sees this little guy who's even smaller than Wolverine, which is really friggin' small. And uh, Wolverine's wearing that badass saber-tooth-looking costume. Uh, they stole off one of the Imperial Guardsmen. Right. And I wonder Fang. if this is something that Byrne asked Cockrum to do. I know there's a story here. I'll bet Byrne was trying this out as a new costume for Wolverine. And he probably fed it to Cockrum. Hey, can you work this into the story? Or something like that. Didn't last, though, because as soon as they get home, he's ready to get out of it again. But uh, I dig it, because Sabretooth wears something similar at at certain points. And in really early appearance of X-23, she's wearing this costume. And that was drawn by... Alan Davis. Was it? I was thinking it was um, Billy Tan. Oh. They're like, they have a fight in a nightclub or something like that. And I thought it was so awesome. Like the best thing he's ever drawn. Yeah. Which a lot of people would say doesn't take much, but I really love that issue. I, I like his stuff on Rise and Fall of the Shi'ar Empire, so. So anyway, Wolverine goes in full bore like he always does. And <laughs> when Cyclops tries to stop him, he, he says, we don't know what we're up against. Be careful. He's like, you be careful. I ain't gonna hurt the little fella much. <laughs> and the dude goes, that's for sure. And the next panel is just pow. And that's the end of Wolverine in this story. But I think we touched, this is what makes me think we talked about this before. Banshee gives a go against the guy. And the dude is squeezing the life out of him, so Banshee gives one last blast as hard as he can right into the guy's face. And he's absolutely purple from the effort. And his his uh, Banshee scream is 
E arg. <laughs> because he strains his vocal cords. I don't know. It cracks me up. But they finally defeat that dude, and unfortunately, there's a, a giant version, Mott, the second guardian. So they're like Russian doll guardians or something. I don't know. But in the end, the event, the oh, oh man, oh my god, the X Men. Sorry, I apologize to everyone. Save the day. Am I am I uh, glossing over anything? No. And, uh, it's very interesting. I, I didn't bring this issue along with me, so it's interesting to see it in all this <clears throat> colored, yeah, fancy omnibus. <laughs> Phoenix uh, successfully shuts this whole business down with the Macron crystal about to explode and and end everything as we know it uh, by sucking the life force out of Storm and a very unwilling, initially Corsair. She talks him into participating, and they save the day, and jump through the Stargate. Yay, we're home! But oh shit, there's Star Lord still standing there. Fire Lord, or sorry, Fire Lord, and uh, and he's like, "Whoa, everybody, chill out." Professor X talks some sense into me. Lilandra returns with them, and it's a happy day, and thus begins the Burn Era, with a fun, kooky issue in space. The universe is saved. And John Byrne is off to a great start, and he makes it an even better start with a great letter in the letters page as an apology for having to follow up Dave Cockrum. Nice. Basically saying, I'm not worthy, but give me a chance. And I think he ended up doing all right. I think so, too. Should we leave it there? If you would like. It's up to you, man. What do you want to do? We can if you want. Because, damn, this burn stuff is good. Yeah. I want to spend some real time on it. I do, too. So let's wrap it up. All right. So hopefully episode 10 will not be cursed. That's true. God willing, we will bring back Mr. Greg Turner to discuss some Neil Adams and Roy Thomas X-Men. Mm-hmm. Our first discussion was great, so I only expect good discussion the second time. And we hope you guys will like it. And uh, what else do we want to say before? I'm just really excited about sticking with the reread. Yeah. Like, on the episodes. Like, I think even when we do have guests, we should at least devote a little bit of time. Because, unfortunately, I don't want to get as behind as I have been. with. I mean, with reading... Like, I just wish sometimes that I could just, like, shut off new comics for a little bit and just reread stuff. If they ever go digital, that's exactly what's going to happen with me. Not with me. I'd probably stick with it. I kind of dig the digital. I think the coloring on the digital is so nice. Because the print quality on Marvel's comics is not great, man. They don't use very nice paper. And... You know what happened the other day? I was at work, and I had a lunch break, and I had like my issue copy of All New Invaders. I just was like, alright, I'm at my job. I'll give this digital thing a try. I'll download the code that's in the book, and I'll read it on my phone. See how I dig it. Uh-huh. I don't like... I don't like having them them having that much control over how I enjoy a page. Well, I think you can change that. Yeah, you mean the guided view where they like but, it. But see, the guided view thing is cool, and it, it's a fun way to read the book, especially because uh-huh. like I read an Infinite Comic or Silver Surfer back when like 
Infinity or AVX or something was happening. Mm-hmm. And, like, him getting closer. Like, it was cool. It was like a little cartoon. I don't know uh-huh. if I've already talked about this. But, yeah, I just think it's weird that, like, they're basically, like, allowing you to see only certain bits. Because, I mean, I could stare... They usually at this... give you the full payoff before you move on to the next thing. Yeah. No, they totally do. But it's just this weird, like... I, I mean, I can stare at this thing. The double-page spread in X-Men 107 where the Imperial Guard is first introduced mm-hmm. for an hour. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I just... I feel like... That's gonna be lost. Well, Again, the double page spread is definitely a thing of the past. They yeah. still do them, but they lose their impact. Yeah. I mean, everybody already knows that. I'm not shocking anybody by saying that. Yeah. So that's all. But yeah, no, I, I definitely think going forward here, I'd like to uh, devote a little time every episode to the reread. Yeah, I think we've talked about that. That's our plan going forward for our listeners. There should, for every episode, be, depending on what else we plan on talking about, there'll be at least some discussion of where we are in our reread, our chronological reread. Yeah. So expect some of that. And also expect more guests. Expect repeat guests, probably, I'm expecting. Part of the rereads get me, giving me anxiety, though. The New Mutants? No, I'm really excited about that. I actually want to get to that part. Um, I am concerned about rereading a lot of this stuff from my youth. I might not stick with it that long. Yeah? I don't see any value in reading those. What about the show, Jerry? (laughs) Well, now we've had the experiment with the Hama Wolverine stuff, and it did nothing but give me ulcers. That's true. But see, that's a little bit what I'm... I'm not so much worried about the stuff that... When I was young, I was reading, because I'll have... All of that is rose-colored for me. Yeah. And I'll have plenty of stories that no one gives a shit about, about what I was doing or eating or hanging out with during that time period when I was reading those books. Um, I'm concerned about the stuff after. I'm concerned about the 400s of Uncanny. Uh, you know how many episodes of the show... If, if we're going six issues at a time, we're going to need, like... Hundreds of episodes to get that far. It's very optimistic of you, and I applaud it. You're telling but, me that uh, you're not going to make it? What are we going to have? I'm going like to make it. 60 episodes of this show, and you're going to call it quits? Well, I'm just concerned that we haven't I'm been able to pull one out successfully in three tries now. I'll quit right now. I'll quit. I'll quit first. <laughs> Let's quit together like Thelma and Louise. Yeah, I just, uh, once we're getting up in that neighborhood... There are going to be people that like those books. No, I there's don't, not. Okay, not the one, not the Chuck Austin. Yeah, I was about to say. I forgot it's never going to happen. But I've heard good things said about the books that come before that, and I don't know why yeah. they, those things were said. But um, there, you know, there are people that like those books. I hate to squat over them and take a giant dump on them. You know, I I don't want to harsh people's buzz. That's true. I don't feel good when I take swipes at stuff. All right. So, I'm not really looking forward to that. Well, I don't then, know. then we should probably just pair, cherry pick what we think is the best from that time period. Yeah, like originally we talked about having people on to talk about the uh, an arc, and it didn't matter what the arc was, and then and then Dawn Fart Penis came on, and with his stupid Wolverine issues and. 
After that, man, I'm not feeling really good about <laughs> revisiting some of this stuff. But I think there's plenty of good stuff I, I'm, I'm most, to keep us busy. I'm most excited for, other than the actual X-Men titles, because I'm really looking forward to like the Outback stuff. Uh-huh. I'm most excited to read um, New Mutants parts of X-Factor. Yeah. Because... And, um... I feel bad for people who are too young to have been there when X-Factor launched. I'm sure there were older readers that hated it, but for me as a kid, that was so exciting to get the original X-Men back. And the drama that was involved in the two titles, you know, nobody knowing anything about the other one, and, like, the nasty breakup between Scott and the X-Men when Storm forced him out. Yeah. And Madeline having the baby and Scott splitting on her and oh man. Yeah, there's so much all the melodrama of the X Men is like at its peak right there. It's gonna be awesome when we read that stuff. You are right to be excited about it. I am. Just wanna get there, man. Yeah, but I don't wanna run We've read all this shit. Let's just fucking skip ahead. Okay, everybody. Jean Grey has turned into the Dark Phoenix and she died. It was really awesome, really tragic, and now we're moving on. <laughs> Next episode, Days of Future Past. <laughs> Can we just do that? I don't want to do that. I really like all these issues. Yeah. we got to give them the burn experience. Man. Oh, man, I love these burn issues. Yeah, and I, I want to talk them. about the Shadow King issue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm digging it. We're going to try to stick with it. We're going to stick with it. So next we're... episode, you'll get a taste. Uh, at least the next, at least the, the next, next two like three issues, but yep. probably more, probably. So I guess that wraps it up for this cursed episode nine. Yeah. Sorry, this is thrown together. We knew we had to get something out because it's been three weeks now. It's true. And we miss you guys, and hopefully you missed us. And uh, we really missed you. Let's let's just face it, Sean. We miss these guys. True. We miss talking at them. I miss talking about the stuff. That's why I was happy to get back into the uh, swing of talking about the issues. Because these just sit out, too. You pull them out, and they're just sitting there until we can talk about them. Yeah. That's my bad. My bad. It's all right. So, everybody that's stuck with us, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully we're on track again. Here we go. Here we go. John Byrne, Chris Claremont. It's all happening. And be ready for some Neil Adams next time. That's true. So until next time, goodbye.
So you know, Daniel Day-Lewis Last of the Mohicans is one of my favorite movies. Awesome. We have a movie poster of it around here somewhere. Yeah? It's one of I went as, favorites. I went as Daniel Day-Lewis one year for Halloween. Uh, Last of the Mohicans, Daniel Day-Lewis, yes. or My Left Foot, Daniel Day-Lewis? <laughs> Just Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, okay. I was really method. Yeah, I still don't Halloween know what he costumes? looks like. <laughs> Gangs of New York, Daniel Day-Lewis, or There Will Be Blood, Daniel It was Day-Lewis. a hodgepodge of all of them. Yeah. He just, just a big bristly mustache and So just so you know, just, just imagine me getting into comic books, okay? And those costumes were both... I went as Dr. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park to my first ever middle school dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Still a virgin. Oh, yeah. I remember too. Like I mean, now. <laughs> I remember beforehand being like, "This is gonna be the coolest costume ever." I'm a fucking dinosaur expert. Sixth grade dance, new school. That was it. It was a new school, and I was all pumped up because I was like, "This is my chance to be a new person." <laughs> At least he didn't go as Vanilla Ice or something. <sighs> Could have been worse. Yeah, I think every single kid I went to school with went as a Michigan basketball player. So it was like when the Fab Four were yeah, running. Fab Five. five Come five. on, man, Sorry, dude, I'm done. <laughs> I was Doctor Alan Grant. <laughs> Clearly, I couldn't even lie myself through that situation. I think at the end of the dance, you should have fallen down, faked dying, and said, "I would have liked to see Montana." <laughs> <laughs> in an Australian <laughs> accent. Oi, my face. <laughs> Not a Russian accent. That was from the Hunt for Red October, in case people don't realize. And so then, God, was so it must have been the year before. It was either the year before or the year after that I went as fucking Daniel Day Lewis's Hawkeye character. I had a fucking musket. I wore moccasins. <laughs> Did you get sent home? What? Did you get sent home? No, because guns were okay back then. It wasn't until right. I was like a sophomore in high school when all that stuff started happening. So that's me. I meant because of your racist attire, not because of your guns. <laughs> that's true. Guns are American. So that was me, man. Dressing up as Dr. Alan Grant and Daniel Day-Lewis characters for Halloween and reading comic books. Probably going to have to cut all this out. Why? I... 
How long was that? <laughs> Where are the X-Men, guys? Sorry. I don't know. I don't know. You didn't catch it. I'll probably cut this out, too. Uh, I won't cut that out, but I'll cut this out. Uh, we got brought up on the latest episode of BoobTube. Okay. They, like, put pimped all the other shows on the network. And they described our show. It was like, they talk about the X-Men... But they don't just talk about the X-Men. They kind of just talk about whatever. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's true. I'm sorry. I know that when you set out to do this, you were like, I got a format. We're going to go over these issues. It's going to be amazing. You had a whole plan. You, you were like, hey, Sean. You want to do this? And I was like, yes, but I'm probably going to fuck it up. <laughs> I remember that conversation. I'm sorry. And I, I stuck to my part of the bargain, and you stuck to your part of the bargain. I, I, uh, 